Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we're so glad that you could join us. If you can give us 90 minutes now, we'll go around the world. And I mean around the world. We're going to Sweden in just a moment where Ken Timmerman is. He's on a writing project, a brand new book coming out before the next election. And uh, he's there writing, but he's also watching geopolitical activities around the world to be able to comment on that when he comes to our broadcast table. We're here in Chattanooga having just finished nine television programs. We produce those in three days at the John Ankerberg Studios here in Chattanooga. They'll be seen across the United States and then across Europe, India, and China. We're excited about the outreach. And John had asked me, you remember last week I told you, he had asked me to teach the entire book of Revelation. So I'm thrilled with the privilege that I've had to do that. And I want to thank you for praying for this project. We've finished the production now to post-production, and that's where they kind of make us look like we know what we're doing. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to seeing the final product. We'll tell you when it'll be aired, let you know so you can promote it and be able to watch it as well. This weekend, we're going to be at the Old Bethel Baptist Church in Chickamauga, Georgia. That's on Old Bethel Road. Steve Camp, the pastor, wants you to come in. It's a one-day prophecy conference. We'll start at 10 o'clock in the morning. The 11 o'clock worship service will take place. I'll be teaching there. And then Q&A at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, prophecy Q&A. And at 6 p.m., I'm going to take one hour. I'm going to warn you ahead. It's going to be an hour-long service. I'm going to teach the entire book of Revelation. Actually, I can walk through Revelation chronologically in about three and a half minutes, but I'm going to expand upon that, of course. If you come on Sunday night, you'll understand at least how you can go into the book and start to study it and get some information that will be so helpful for you in these the last days. Ken, I said you're there in Sweden. Let's get to the issues I want to discuss with you, get your analysis of them. Seven Arab states plus Iran say they can ensure security of the Persian Gulf. That according to the leader of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Do you think that sounds right, or is that the the, the fox watching the, the chicken coop? Well, I had to laugh, Jimmy, when I read that story, because it sounds like the Arab states in the Persian Gulf was were actually cooperating with the Iranians when, in fact, they are fighting the Iranians and engaged in a hot war, not even a cold war with them, but a hot war in Yemen and elsewhere. This is Iranian wishful thinking, as so often happens. They are trying to make us believe and make their own domestic audience believe that they are much stronger than they actually are and that they are not being challenged as they are currently being challenged by the United States, both in the Persian Gulf and around the world. You mentioned that I was in Sweden. You know, the Iranian foreign minister was here on Tuesday speaking with the the Swedish counterpart and also meeting with other Swedes and uh, influence makers here in Sweden. And I was able to talk to people who were at those meetings. This is, again, Iran is trying to win friends around the world against the United States. The sanctions are having a very, very powerful impact on them. Again, the point of all of these meetings is trying to 
find a way out of U.S. sanctions. The pressure is hitting them very, very hard, uh, whether it's militarily in the Persian Gulf or economically. It seems to me that, uh, indeed, as we go across the Middle East and around the world looking at these geopolitical events, we run across personalities that we often come back and talk about. Erdogan, who is the president of uh, the location in Turkey there, the state of Turkey, has defied Vladimir Putin, president of Russia. There are two personalities that we'll be talking about, I would imagine, if they stay in power until the end-time activities really get underway with the tribulation period. Now, I give you that introduction because of the fact that narrowly were they able to avoid a dogfight in the air, two aircraft going at each other, one Russian, one Turkish. This happened over northern Syria. I mean, uh, this is pretty hot, and they're part of a coalition, according to the Bible. I'm wondering if they're separating or coming together. Well, they're, they're currently there are tensions between Russia, who uh, is backing, the Russians are backing Syria in their effort to drive not just ISIS out of the country, because ISIS is pretty much gone, but now the ISIS follow-on group, the number of uh, Sunni groups in northern Syria that are backed by Turkey. The Turks are arming them. Uh, they're sending them equipment. They've got Turkish advisors with them, and those groups occupy a swath of territory in northern Syria, about 20 kilometers deep into Syria along the Turkish border. And what happened this past week was the Russians were actually launching an airstrike with Sukhoi-35 fighter bombers against a Turkish convoy that was going to resupply these uh, terrorist fighters in northern Syria. Mm. And the Turks came in with F-16 supplied by the United States to try to defend their own convoy. Ultimately, the Russians steered the Turks off. They warned them to stay back or they would be shot down, and the Turks broke off the engagement. But that's what happened. There was the Turkish Air Force came very, very close to a direct confrontation, a dogfight in the air over over northern Syria with the Russians. Well, and that goes along with the article that I read that a NATO member state, Turkey, that's their part of NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, they've been accused of aiding there in the Middle East, the jihadists, and you just have given us tangible evidence of that. Talk to me about Iran. Iran, of course, has the opportunity of having the Shiite fighters. They're aligned together there in Iraq, and Iraq has become somewhat of a threat to Israel. Uh, That's a very interesting development. That is a new development, Jimmy, where these Shiite fighters... Uh, and there are over 100,000 of them in Iraq today. Mm. Uh, they were created as organized militia groups with the help of Iran, but uh, we've got to state this, with the direct involvement and agreement of the Iraqi government in Baghdad. And now they are operating as an Iranian-backed militia force that owns territory in Iraq. They own territory in Baghdad. They're present at the Balad Air Force Base, which is a big Air Force base that the United States helped to rebuild after the 2003 war. And we've been, you know, we have stationed troops in that area. And these Iranian militia groups, Iranian-backed militia groups, have ballistic missiles that are pointed at Israel. The Israelis have repeatedly uh, stated publicly that they should get rid of those missiles. And since they have not done that, the Israelis have hit them. There have been airstrikes by Israeli Air Force jets against 
these targets in Iraq. This has uh, created some furor in Iraq and threats by uh, the militia groups themselves, who are run by members of parliament, mm. in the Iraqi parliament. I mean, it's really quite extraordinary to see the extent of the Iranian influence inside the Iraqi governing structures. So there's an increasing conflict building up there, increasing tension between Israel itself and these uh, Iranian-backed Iraqi uh, militias. Well, and these Iranian-backed militias are accusing the United States of allowing the Israeli aircraft to come into airspace over Iraq and go after some of those bases you were just telling us about. Uh, that's absolutely correct. By the way, P- uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has not denied that. He has warned Iran to back off in its threats to Israel, and he stated that Israel will defend itself wherever needed. And when asked whether that included Iraq, he said, I did not put any limits on that statement of wherever. Wherever is where Israeli Defense Force soldiers and aircraft and naval operations will go to protect the Jewish state. The Iranian president has uh, made a very interesting statement. He said, no use in talking with the United States. It's useless. He did this while he was at a service where they were unveiling a missile defense system that they say is better than any in the world. What do you know? Well, better than any in the world, I would, uh, of course, be very doubtful about. But very important that they are claiming to have made a system similar to the S-300 missile. Why would Iran need to do this if Russia were supplying them all of the air defense missiles that they needed? And uh, I believe that uh, the Russians have uh, backed off in some of the support that they've given Iran in those missile defense systems. The, apparently, they have not delivered the S-400, the more uh, modern version of this missile, and so the Iranians themselves are now trying to produce larger numbers of the uh, inferior S-300. Just a moment, if you will, Ken. Russia is saying they're ready to help fund the Palestinians to some extent, focused basically on their industrial zone. Uh, That does not sound good for Israel. Well, I'm not so certain about that. The Palestinians need to have uh, an economic outlet. You know, they depend a lot on Israel for uh, work. Uh, They're high unemployment in the Palestinian areas. This particular zone would be in Nablus in Judea and Samaria. It would eventually give employment to Palestinians making inoffensive light industrial goods. I'm wondering, however, how much financial wherewithal the Russians actually have to do this. Uh, They're strapped themselves in fighting foreign wars in Syria and in Ukraine. Uh, They still occupy, by the way, parts of northern Georgia. So I would just be a little bit querulous about the amount of money the Russians have at their disposal to be able to fund these industrial zones inside the Palestinian territories. You see why I have Ken Timmerman on this broadcast, folks. I thought this was a pretty bad situation. Ken really made an analysis that this would be assisting the Palestinian people and, to some extent, helpful for the Israelis. Ken, you're very knowledgeable. You're very wise. I appreciate so much your understanding of all of these geopolitical activities and helping us to understand them as well. Hey, we're going to be praying for you as you do your writing project, and we'll talk again next week. Thank you so much, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, a Middle East news update. David Dolan is standing by. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. 
Prophecy Today is heard all across the USA on the Prophecy Today radio network, but also it is heard around the world through our website at prophecytoday.com. And Jay, there are many other features on our prophecytoday.com website, like daily news updated out of the Middle East as it pertains to what's happening prophetically. Special reports can be heard right on our website at prophecytoday.com. We have Prophecy Q&A available for you. Questions asked in the past can be answered on the website if you just check it out and go to that particular spot. Prophecy Quiz is available, and parts of our Prophecy Today program, if you should miss any part of it, will be heard the next week right here at prophecytoday.com. And don't forget, you can even email your questions to us for our live radio broadcast. Just go to our website at prophecytoday.com. You'll be amazed, you'll be surprised at what you'll find on our website. Be sure to visit us at prophecytoday.com on the World Wide Web. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung. We're here at Broadcast Central this week in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Remember, we have just concluded three days of production with John Ankerberg there at the studio. We did eight programs that helped me have an opportunity, a platform, to teach the entire book of Revelation. They're in post-production now. They'll make us look like we knew what we were doing. <laughs> That's great. I love when the post-production is completed because then I can say, well, all right, not bad. That's what we're hoping and praying for. You pray for the guys at the Ankerberg organization as they do the post-production on eight programs taking the entire book of Revelation and going through it. One of them, I walk through the entire book. One of the broadcasts, I go from Revelation chapter 1 through chapter 22. That's the very first one. We lay it out in an overall view from the book of Revelation. So then we can go back and that would be the skeleton and we put the meat on the bones as we go through it. By the way, that's what I'm going to do on Sunday night over at Old Bethel Baptist Church in Chickamauga, Georgia. Come and join us. Now we're going, as promised, to David Dolan. His Middle East news update is always key, a major portion of our broadcast to help you understand what's happening in this unique region of the world. And David, let me start with this, if you will. Mahmoud Abbas, who is the president of the Palestinian Authority, has been making the statement that the Palestinian people date back some 5,000 years ago to the Canaanites, who were some of the first peoples that lived in the area of where Israel is today and a part of all of that Middle Eastern area. 
In light of that, he has made the statement this week uh, that the Palestinian people are going to enter Jerusalem with millions of fighters. That's a threat, and I don't see how that's going to happen, but he's saying that's what they're going to do. Well, Jimmy, yes, it was the strongest statement that we've had really since before the peace treaty was signed in 1993 from a Palestinian leader against Israel, made it a refugee camp that uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the PA leader, was visiting near Ramallah, where Friday's terror attack took place. And uh, he told the crowd that the Palestinians, as you said, are the descendants of the 5,000-year-old Canaanites. He said, quote, we shall remain here. Nobody can remove us from our homeland. Then he went to say that if the Jews want to leave, they can leave by themselves. Otherwise, like you said, uh, there are over a million fighters ready to storm into Jerusalem and throw them out of there and out of the whole land. He said, quote, they are foreign to this land. They have no right to it. No matter how many houses, how many settlements they declare that they plan to build here and there, they shall be all destroyed, Allah willing. They will all go to the garbage bin of history. Well, we haven't had such incendiary statements, like I've said, for many, many years from Palestinian leaders. Of course, we remember that the late PLO leader and PA chairman Yasser Arafat often said that all the Jews would be driven into the Mediterranean Sea uh, in the end, and the Palestinians would take over the whole land. He also slashed President Trump's, quote, deal of the century, rejected it totally, uh, and he said, you know, the contention that our martyrs are terrorists is wrong. They are martyrs for the homeland. So incendiary statements indeed, and of course coming in the same area where Friday's terror attack took place that left a 17-year-old girl dead and her father and brother seriously wounded. Of course, last Friday, a week ago, we had a similar terror attack south of Jerusalem. This was north of Jerusalem, uh, leaving a brother and sister seriously wounded. The brother still in critical condition, clinging for his life. So very dramatic days indeed. Well, in fact, that's tangible evidence, what David just related to you, of that 4,000-year-old history of a battle, a conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians, basically between from Genesis 25. Uh, that would be Jacob and Esau. Jacob, the Jewish people, Esau, the forefather of the Palestinian people, Book of Obadiah, said it continues on to the end of the seven-year tribulation period, the last battle. Israeli Defense Force will have to fight the battle against Amalek. We report all of this information to help you understand how current events are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And what about this one, David? Iranian-allied Shiite fighters in Iraq are threatening Israel. Now, this is Iraq and Iran forming a team to go after the Jewish state. Well, and Jimmy, we have to keep in mind, tied in with what we were just talking about, that these are the, the Iranians, at least, the main backers of the radical Palestinians. There's uh, certainly no chance that a million Palestinians armed and ready for war can at any time soon uh, come into Jerusalem. But Iran and its allies have the capability to do that. That just emboldens the Palestinians and, uh, you know, emboldens uh, Abbas to make such statements. More rioting again on Friday near the Gaza Strip. 
uh, more incendiary devices thrown in, more rocket attacks this week from Gaza into Israel, Israeli reprisals, uh, more comments against the prime minister for not taking tough enough actions. But on the side, he obviously is continuing to battle against Israel's enemies, the ones that he considers the most serious at the present time in terms of the ones that could actually make an attempt to destroy Israel and maybe have some uh, success at it, which is Iran and its allies. And as we've been talking about, they've been building up their forces in Iraq, sending missiles there, sending rockets as staging grounds to uh, go into Syria and Lebanon, but many of them are staying in uh, Iraq and moving into western Iraq where they would be much closer to Israel and could strike it. And so we had another drone attack this week on pro-Iranian militias in Iraq. And uh, at first the uh, deputy assistant of the terror group that was struck said it was Israel, Israeli drones that had carried this out. Then the leaders said, well, we're not so quick to know that it's Israel, but it's certainly America and its allies mm that are behind us, again, hinting that maybe Saudi Arabia might also be involved. And, Jimmy, it really could be that Israel is not alone doing this, that the uh, Saudis from the south are doing it as well. They were struck, the Saudis, again this week by Houthi rebels. We had an American drone shot down by the Houthi rebels uh, in Yemen this week. So all sorts of things going on. The situation all around definitely heating up. But the center of it is, of course, Jerusalem, Al-Quds, as the Arabs called it. And again, the Palestinians aren't doing this alone. They're doing it with the backing of Iran and probably the encouragement of Iran. And so Netanyahu doing whatever he can to reduce their forces, uh, but a very, very serious situation indeed. All negative news thus far. How about some positive? Russian immigration is on the increase, rising sharply. It's interesting. 1991... Uh, there were about 3.7 million Jews from out of Russia that immigrated. Now that immigration from Russia on the rise again. It definitely is, Jimmy. And earlier this week, the prime minister was in Ukraine, and he declared that financial benefits that the Ukrainian government is willing to give to all of its citizens, wherever they live, will now be channeled into the Ukrainian Jews, Russian-speaking, that moved to Israel. There's many of them as well. But yes, those rates are increasing from all over the former Soviet Union. And Jimmy, we had uh, 1,700 North American Jews immigrate to Israel this month. The rate from France continues to increase as terrorism continues there and in other parts of Europe. So the Jewish people scattered throughout the earth as various prophets, Isaiah and many others predicted would happen, and it did happen, are returning to their ancient homeland, whether Abbas likes it or not, and the other Palestinian leaders like it or not, it is happening, continuing to happen, and that is very significant. So as they declare Israel's destruction, Israel continues to grow and to become stronger in these days. Well, one final question I want to ask you, and it's about Donald Trump. He's promoting a claim uh, that the Jewish Israelis love him like he was the king of Israel and the second coming of God. A very, very braggadocious statement. I think he was simply quoting somebody else, but to promote that, uh, it sounds pretty braggadocious from our president. 
Well, it does, and it created all sorts of responses in Israel, some positive and some negative. But whether we get into the messianic realm or not, the polls do show in Israel that he is an extremely popular president of the United States in terms of how Israelis view him. And, of course, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem and did some other things. He's certainly not the Messiah. That's clear. And that statement did seem to many to go over the top. But he is very beloved in Israel because of his support for the Jewish state as we come to this showdown apparently with Israel's enemies or so it seems and maybe the coming days they certainly appreciate his support his statements though seem to not only on this uh, realm but in others uh, go a little over the top absolutely David Dolan the man who covers the Middle East he's done it for over 35 years he's doing it now for us we so appreciate his input as we think about what's happening in this key region of the world. David, thank you so much, my good friend. We'll have another conversation next week. You're welcome, Jimmy, and God bless you. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Winky Madad is going to be helping us to understand what is BDS. You may not know. Stay tuned. You'll find out from Winky Madad. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, right here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. The reason for that, we're not going to travel very far after the broadcast, we're going to be in Chickamauga, Georgia, the Old Bethel Baptist Church located on Old Bethel Road. Love to have you come and join us as we study the Word of God. And I can guarantee you, if you come and listen to my teaching of the book of Revelation, you're going to understand at least how you should approach your study of the book of Revelation. Old Bethel Baptist Church in Chickamauga, Georgia. Well, we're going right now, as promised, to Winky Madad. We're going to be talking about an issue that has really brought a lot of attention to two members of the United States Congress, one from Minnesota, the other from Michigan, Representative Omar from Minnesota, Representative Talib from Michigan. And we bring to the table Winky because I want to ask him what the terms mean that these two congresswomen are promoting, and in fact, I think it was a part of their plan uh, when they wanted to go into Israel, not seeing any of the Israeli leaders, but only the Palestinian leaders, uh, so that they could promote BDS. 
S. Now, there's a three-letter term that uh, we need to have defined. Winky, what does BDS stand for? What does it mean? Jimmy, back in about 2001, there was a conference in Durban, South Africa, in which many of the most radical and extremist elements, both within the Arab world and their supporters among the progressives and liberals in the general politicking atmosphere, sought a new tactic which would uh, compare Israel to South Africa under the apartheid regime. And at that time, BDS came to mean boycott, disinvestment, and sanctions. In other words, boycott, do not buy anything from Israel, even though it probably could solve all your economic problems or even save your life, medical and scientific advancements. Disinvestment, all sorts of organizations, universities, pension funds, etc., if they have some money in anything to do with Israel's economic development, which is skyrocketing out of the world, they should take the money away. In other words, Jimmy, uh, they're basically trying to punish a lot of little people, whether it's various professional organizations or even city pension funds, to take away the possibility of earning some good money for a political cause maybe the people who have invested don't even know about. And the third point is sanctions, uh, trying to place punishment by isolating Israel or political figures or stopping things from coming in of that nature. Or, as you're probably well aware, our wine grown out here in Judea and Samaria should be sanctioned, should be denied free market possibility of being bought. So what they're doing is basically trying to make Israel a pariah state, isolated, put it on a, a pedestal and everybody point fingers and make fun of it. Now, that is a worthy cause perhaps, for China, for North Korea, Saudi Arabia maybe, if you don't like chopping off heads and arms and hands. But somehow, everybody in the liberal world is only aiming at Israel. And since it's an open country, you can come in and see that we're not really as bad as what's going on. And the whole issue of Judea, Samaria, and the so-called occupation is one because of Arab violence and refusal to negotiate. It's their responsibility to end it, not ours. We were attacked in 67 and even before. So that's a brief summary of what BDS is. Now, has it been effective? Has it been successful on the Jewish state? And has it been harmful? It's been unsuccessful, Jimmy, economically speaking. It has been successful, for example, in certain entertainment events where singers, mainly rock groups and other people have declined to come. And it is very vicious in poisoning the minds of younger people, who I presume in another five to six years will become more uh, approachable and more willing to point the finger at Israel and make claims that aren't true. And that is the real danger, uh, either diplomatically or uh, general support of people who don't know what's going on here, who only hear about roadblocks but never hear about Arab shooting coming through roadblocks, and they don't get the full story. There's been a lot of news coverage, both there in Israel and here in the United States, on the fact that uh, there were two members of Congress, Tlaib and Omar, who were not given the opportunity to come into Israel because everyone thought they might try to promote the BDS. Is that the way you understand what their plan was, that they were able to get into Israel? Well, basically, yes, Jimmy, but I have to make uh, some highlights here. When you call Israel a racist apartheid state, 
and then you come in and don't even talk with Israeli officials, or if you don't like Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria, maybe make a swing by here and stop for half an hour and talk to us and get... I mean, they're congressmen. They're not supposed to be political activists of an ideological trend. They're supposed to be representing their voters in Michigan and other places. So what are they playing around here? They're not uh, like, uh, I think in the total number was around 70 congressmen just two weeks prior had come on another visit, and they spoke with Arabs, and they spoke with Israeli Jews, and they went all over the place, and they got a, a good review of what's going on. And uh, we don't hide anything. These people came on a political activist mission to blacken Israel's image. Uh, and even at the last moment when given a humanitarian gesture to come in and see her grandmother, basically she threw her under the bus and said, well, I don't think I can come in because they would give recognition to Israel's oppressive policies. I mean, her grandmother, Jimmy, is about 90 years old, she should long have a long life, but it might be the last time her granddaughter can see her. But she, no, she wanted to martyr her grandmother on the altar of her political beliefs. So this is really something that's astounding for people to bander about that they're actually looking for truth and justice, and it's just the opposite. Well, then, would you believe that Israel was justified in keeping these two members of Congress from entering the state of Israel? Jimmy, to be honest, at the very beginning, I'm talking about two months ago when the topic first came up, I thought two things. One, they should be able to come in, and Israel should take advantage of all the errors and the outlandish things they would be doing. My opinion today is that Israel, I don't think, was capable of confronting them in real time with what they were going to make uh, claims and, and all their photo opportunities and stuff of that nature. And secondly... I didn't realize that the whole trip was being planned and uh, facilitated by Hanan Ashrari's uh, NGO called Miftah, if anybody wants to Google it, who has uh, promoted BDS, terror, uh, anti-Semitism, and other negative images of Israel and its Jews. And the schedule, as I mentioned previously, the itinerary, was only left-wing Israelis breaking the silence in Hebron. They weren't going to talk... Uh, to the people you know, Jimmy, down in Hebron, who would say, well, we have a different narrative, we have a mm. different story, listen mm -hmm. to the facts. Mm -hmm. No, they were getting to one side. Uh, I think Israel was right, both on the basis of the planning and the itinerary and the fact that they were promoting BDS. BDS was sanctioned, if I can use that phrase, by Congress just about, was it three weeks ago, by 300 and something or other, 90 to 17 or something like that, why should we allow these people who represent the minority of Congress to use their congressional stature and come promote a very bad, unfactual, lying image of what Israel is to the world? And let me suggest there is a news outlet that will help you stay informed. Prophecy Today. Be listening to us because we'll bring people like Winky Madad to the broadcast table to discuss these issues. Winky, thank you so very much, my good friend, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Jimmy, thank you so much for having me on the program. Goodbye to you and our listeners. Very important information from Winky Madad, helping us to understand the BDS movement and how they are trying to do everything they can to bring harm to the Jewish state of Israel. 
keep up to date on that with Winky and others as we follow what's happening among the Palestinian people. Well, that is also enhanced when we have conversations with a man named Itamar Marcus. He heads up a team, Palestinian Media Watch, their web address, palwatch.org, and Itamar is going to help us to understand a couple of things. We'll return now to the issue with Representative Talib, who is a member of the United States Congress in Washington, whose grandmother lives there in Israel. But before we get to that, Itamar, I want to talk about a headline that I received from your group. They send out, and you keep us updated on your website. You can get that sent to you if you'd like to do that. Go to powwatch.org and sign up for the newsletter that Itamar and the Palestinian Media Watch team send out. The headline read this, Palestinian Authority Chasing Down Homosexuals. Now, first of all, remind everybody just briefly who the PA is, the Palestinian Authority, and talk to me about this headline, will you please? Well, the Palestinian Authority is the governing body of the Palestinian people in Judea and Samaria, and they're the official representative of the Palestinians around the world. They're the ones that are recognized by the United States and by the European Union. Now, so that this is considered a moderate organization, a moderate supposed peace partner, they announced last week, the chief of police, that they had received word that a group of Palestinians who were homosexuals, gays, and they wanted to have some kind of a gathering together. The police heard about it, and they made a public announcement. They asked on Palestinians to inform them about any person that's connected to this organization called Rainbow, and then they would, quote, because what they're doing, having an event for for homosexuals is considered a violation of the highest ideals and values of Palestinian society. They promised that they would track them down, arrest them, and prosecute them just for having an event where gay people could could get together. Now, what's interesting is that the organization that actually is sponsoring this event is not even in the Palestinian Authority. It's an Israeli organization on behalf of Palestinian uh, gays, or should I say it's a Palestinian organization that is registered in Israel because if they, they wouldn't even be able to register without going to jail in the Palestinian Authority. So it's a Palestinian Authority registered in Israel planning an event in the Palestinian Authority areas. They wanted it to be obviously under the radar, but the police got word of it, and now they're asking on Palestinians to notify them, inform on their friends, their neighbors, whoever might be involved in this organization, because they want to prosecute them. Well, the Palestinian Authority has really made their stance against the LGBT community very clear by making this statement. Is this based upon the Islamic law and the Quran and Islamic beliefs, or is this just a Palestinian thing? No, this is something that is much broader in the Islamic world. In some countries, it's a capital crime to participate in, in gay activities. And actually, people in some of the uh, more radical Muslim countries uh, have received death sentences for this. So it, it seems to be something, the openness in the West and the willingness to be accepting of different uh, lifestyles has not yet penetrated into much of the Islamic world. 
Well, in the article that you had at your website, people can go there even now. It's still up there. You can look and read the entire article. But ironically, it looks to me the report seems to say that the LGBT organizations around the world are the ones who are really in support of the Palestinian people. If that be the case with the Palestinian Authority, why are they in such support of the Palestinians? That's one of the crazy ironies. The groups of people that are on the left, they completely ignore the reality of of what the Palestinian Authority is. They completely ignore the reality of what Israel is. Left-wing groups that are supposedly interested in human rights think that they're promoting human rights by supporting the Palestinian Authority, whereas, in fact, the Palestinian Authority is a terrible human rights abuser. We see it here in terms of the gay community, but it's much, much beyond that. It's anyone who will make a statement in disagreement. People who disagree with the leadership will end up in jail. They'll be tortured in jail. Even Human Rights Watch came out with a recent report documenting all the tortures in the Palestinian prisons of just political opponents. I would say the PA is a major, major human rights violator of their adults and their children. They they convince their children, they brainwash their children with that martyrdom is something good, that they should die for Allah. There are speeches on the university level telling people to go out and be a martyr. We just had one recently on PA TV uh, that was broadcast by Abbas Saki, senior Palestinian official. So the, the irony is, and we pointed this out in terms of the gay community, the irony is the Palestinians have succeeded in blinding literally blinding the human rights community around the world, the the liberal community around the world, that they are, in fact, the, the victims. They should be supported, whereas, in fact, in all of these areas, Israel is the one of the leaders in the world in, in human rights in all of these categories that I mentioned, in terms of treating its own people, in terms of treating visitors, in terms of helping others around the world. And the radical left somehow has adopted the Palestinians blindly, without regard to the facts. Well, we'll leave that issue right there. I want to cover again Representative Talib, a congresswoman from the state of Michigan, wanted to come in with a congresswoman from over in Minnesota, Omar. They wanted to go into Israel and basically attack the Jewish state. They were stopped from doing that, and then the Israeli government decided she could come in under humanitarian requirements to be allowed to see her grandmother. She shut that down. And then when she was doing a press conference the other day, she attacked the wall that has been built around the Palestinian area. Now, that's quite interesting. She would attack that wall. What about that wall? Why is it up, and has it been effective? Well, Israel never wanted a wall. Israel from 1967 through 1993, when Israel ruled over Judea and Samaria, completely Palestinians who were there could travel from Gaza to the Golan, which is from the south all the way to the north of Israel, without meeting a soldier. Unfortunately, once the Palestinian Authority was established in 1994, uh, and the Palestinian Authority was very supportive of terror, uh, suicide terror started a couple of years later, and then there was a terrible suicide terror wave. Israel was forced to build a wall. We decided to build the wall in June 2002. This was after 31 suicide bombings in 2001, 35 more in 2002, and in June alone, in the first few weeks before this, there had been four more suicide bombing attacks. So Israel was suffering. I mean, hundreds of people have been killed. We then went and we built the wall. 
and the wall put an end to suicide terror. And it's not just Israel that's saying it. We have an interview with Ramadan Salah, who's the head of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and they were very active in suicide terror. Uh, and he said that suicide operations, I'm quoting now, he said there's still an option which exists, but there's a separation wall, and if it did not exist, the situation would be different. The separation wall, Israel's security barrier, makes it impossible for them to do suicide bombings. Uh, that's what he said. Now what happens, we've got this, which has saved possibly hundreds of lives, and then Rashida Tlaib, U.S. Congresswoman, goes on television yesterday and says, or two days ago, and says, Walls are destructive, they're not productive. And she criticizes Israel's wall. How can you criticize something that has saved hundreds of people's lives? And beyond that, if you want to criticize, don't criticize Israel. We never wanted a wall. Criticize the leaders of the Palestinian Authority who supported terror. Criticize the terrorist leaders themselves who sent the suicide bombers. They're the ones who caused Israel to be forced to build that wall. Well, and knowing what the wall's purpose is sounds to me like Representative Talib is standing up and supporting Palestinian terrorism. I'm not going to respond to that. We're going to conclude our conversation with Itamar Marcus. Itamar, it's very important we have these conversations. You give us so much important information so that we can understand who the Palestinian people are, what they're doing, and then how they play into Bible prophecy. Thank you so very much, and we'll talk again real soon. Okay, great talking to you. Bye. What a very interesting conversation that we've just had with Itamar Marcus. And the fact is, the Palestinian Authority not wanting any homosexual activity to take place in their territories, and in fact, they are even arresting homosexuals there in the Palestinian areas. We'll stay on top of that story with you in the future, and of course, bringing Itamar Marcus to the microphones. Well, now we're going to bring John Rue to the microphone here at the broadcast table, and we're going to talk about the European Union. John, I want to get a couple of issues in very quickly because they are of concern to many people. For example, the Ukraine and the European Union seem to be collaborating, and they're opposed to the President Trump's suggestion of readmitting Russia to the G7. G7 coming up soon. Trump wants Russia to be involved. The European Union, Ukraine say, no, we do not want that to happen. Very interesting. Yes, Russia has been excluded from the G8, now the G7 for this fact, uh, since March 2014. That's since the Russian occupation of Crimea. President Trump has around the idea that it would be time or appropriate for Russia to rejoin. And uh, as you mentioned, not just Ukraine, but as far as I can see, all of the G7 representation except the United States would not be pleased with such a decision. So it does look that coming into the G7 meeting in Biarritz, France, that President Trump is certainly keeping the EU alert and uh, being able to communicate some of the interests and desires from the United States. Quite interesting to me. In the end times, Russia will be a major player. The European Union, which is, I believe, the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire, they'll be that other major world player. And uh, this is probably in the making or falling apart one way or the other with this type of objection. 
Talk to me about the president of France, Macron, who is poised to defend Iran as Trump's war of words just seemed to rumble on. Well, President Macron is going to be hosting, so to speak, the G7 conference in France. He's been strengthening some of the ties with Iran with their leader, uh, Rouhani. They have been in contact personally. They're exchanging diplomats. They're making a strong stand. Really, communication is that the EU is not ready to take a hard line on Iran. Uh, as we see, it's been a- around the issue for some months. Europe has just dug in against uh, President Trump's maximum pressure campaign on Iran. And so since the Iran nuclear deal has been broken, they have tried very hard the the Europe 3, France, Germany, and Britain, and they have created the side system for bartering bases that would circumvent the decisions that were made. And so now there's a there's actually a big concentration that Europe is taking a stand that they will not turn on Iran. China looks like there may well be a naval showdown, especially in the area of the Persian Gulf because the Royal Navy from Great Britain is watching Iran very closely. They may join that alignment that is being formed by the United States to shut down Iran in that area. Yes, the U.K. has, in a sense, expressed agreement with the USA coalition, but they said basically we're just participating, we won't be taking orders. So right now the United Kingdom is the EU arm, Uh, working for protecting the shipping in the Persian Gulf. And so they have sent another destroyer into the area. The idea was for the first one to leave first and then be replaced. Now, for a certain amount of time, they're going to keep both destroyers in the area. The British military has had some challenges since the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991. The size of the British military is essentially cut in half. So they're trying to do a big job with uh, reduced assets and the tensions, as we know, uh, between the U.S. and Iran have risen, the stockpiling of uranium, the recent bomb attacks on oil tankers, and then now the capturing of ships. They're trying to keep it from escalating, but Britain is taking the lion's share of that position now. As I mentioned a few moments ago, I believe that the Infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire is the European Union today. And uh, there's going to be a relationship in the future, especially that seven-year period of time called the Tribulation, between the revived Roman Empire and the Jewish State of Israel. And the European Union today, uh, the Israelis are saying, keeps discriminating against the Jewish State. They're saying that they're occupying the Palestinian land. United Nations Resolution does not even say that. They say it's disputed territory, not occupied territory. What's behind the European Union uh, discrimination? You know, this is one of the biggest questions for decades. Why is the European Union so consistently anti-Israeli? And really, you you can come to one startling conclusion, and actually it's quite satisfying in terms that there's truth to this, is that the EU has singled out Israel because this is one of the very few positions that can strengthen the European Union, that they will have a rallying cry behind them. 
that the European uh, Union member nations will recognize and continue. So they can actually use the Middle East conflicts as a rallying point for their own position to strengthen themselves. And so we see that, as you said, the fact of disputed territories. You know, Jordan had never actually been recognized as sovereign, having sovereignty over Judea and Samaria. You legally cannot really come to a strong conclusion that Israel is an occupying power, as, as you've noted. There's lots of bias in the European Union. Someone had checked the European Commission's website, did a search on military occupation, and it turns out there are 30 times more references to Israel in terms of a military occupation than Turkey, who had uh, occupied northern Cyprus. So it's a very, very one-sided issue, and the EU, which is so divided has found that this is a point that they can rally together, actually taking a anti-Israeli stand. That's the voice of John Rood. He's a very important member of our broadcast team. We must have these reports about the European Union, understanding what they're doing, because it does play in the political, into the prophetic scenario found in God's Word. John, thank you so very much. We'll have another conversation next week, absolutely. Thank you. And as, as you said, you know, we're going to see all the Bible prophecy come to pass by either coming together or falling apart. It will happen. It will happen. Well, thank you, John. We're going to have to take a break right now. And after the break, we're going to have one more conversation. David James is talking with us about the BDS. We'll already have talked about that. We'll see what the view of the Christian should be. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move into the last half hour. If you'll give me this hour, I'll have given you 90 minutes of information. Looking at current events in light of biblical prophecy, which will help you to understand where we are in God's time and the urgency of the moment. May I ask you to go to my website and answer the poll question. It's on the home page, left-hand column, as you scroll down. Here's the question. Should we as Christians and supporters of the Jewish state of Israel bless the Jews in Israel as directed in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 instead of the boycott and sanctioning Israel, as is happening in the BDS movement today? Please answer that question, if you will. We want to see what your thoughts are about our responsibilities as Christians in support of the Jewish people and the Jewish state of Israel. And if you want to go to Israel, you can go to my website, prophecytoday.com. Go to Joshua Travel. It will give you all the information you need to come and join us on a trip to the land of the Bible. We now bring to these microphones David James. David and I have a weekly conversation, and the issue that we discuss, it must be understood from the Christian community with a biblical understanding. 
and everything that we think about in our life and our walk with the Lord must be very biblical. So that's why David and I have these conversations. By the way, this week we catch David on the road again. This time he's in Dallas, Texas, where he's speaking at a conference on dispensationalism. David, go preach it, buddy. we got to make sure people are on the same page. Well, that's right, Jimmy. I'm actually in Louisville, Texas, which is just on the outskirts of Dallas at Vista Ridge Bible Fellowship, and uh, it's another What is Dispensationalism conference. It's a great conference. We have eight different speakers and covering many of the topics in the book, What is Dispensationalism, a book that I've mentioned uh, before on this program, of which I was one of the contributors. Some of the topics we're covering include how did we get the Bible, what are the covenants, what is the church, what will happen in the future, and I'll be doing two sessions, with the first being on hermeneutics, which is how we interpret the Bible, and my second topic is dispensationalism and systematic theology. And if any of our listeners would be interested in having one of these conferences at their church, they can get in touch with me on the Alliance for Biblical Integrity website, which is biblicalintegrity.org. I would suggest if your church is interested in the topic and understanding of how we approach the study of Bible prophecy, you get a hold of David and his team there in that group to come and hold a conference there at your church. Well, David, before we get to our main topic, I also want to talk about an email that we received this week from a listener who was upset by the recent comments made by Mike Gendron here on the broadcast about Roman Catholicism. And since you've also frequently discussed Roman Catholicism on our program, we ask you to personally respond to this listener's concerns. Uh, Did you think it worked out well, or how did it go? Well, it didn't turn out as uh, good as I had hoped, and uh, sometimes this happens, and we always try to respond graciously to every email we receive, whether they agree with us or not. And uh, I would say this particular email was pretty harsh compared to most. Uh, The listener wrote, I'm outraged that this week's radio show would endorse and have on its station a person who attacked the Catholic Church, and he was referring to Mike. And uh, this listener went on to say, I would expect this is not part of the goals of prophecy today. This guest selectively attacked the Catholic Church with blasphemy against the Catholic Church. Uh, Why can't we support each other rather than tearing us apart? Regardless, I'm appalled Prophecy Today would have such a person on its program. So I kindly responded to him and shared with him that all of us who are part of Prophecy Today would agree with Mike's views concerning the Catholic Church, and I kindly suggested that he read a book by a former Catholic called The Gospel According to Rome by James McCarthy, which is a book actually I would recommend to all our listeners. And you know, the reason we discuss any of the topics we do is to provide important information to our listeners each week, and by far most of the time we get positive feedback, but we're happy to hear from our listeners positively or negatively. Yes, absolutely. Send us those emails. We want to know what you're thinking about. Then we can use the broadcast again to respond to what your thoughts are and what the truth is from God's Word. Earlier in the program today, David, I was talking with Winky Madad about the BDS movement in connection with the two Muslim women who are members of the United States Congress, the House of Representatives, whose trips to Israel were recently canceled. This actually ties right into an article that you sent me a few days ago about an open letter 
from a professor at Edinburgh University in Scotland. And he had written this letter to the students of that school because of their vote to stand against Israel. Talk to me about the letter. Well, I was able to listen to the segment you did with uh, Winky Madad, and I thought it was very interesting and actually completely in line with things that I've been seeing for years as I've also studied this issue. And I was alerted to the article about this open letter to the Edinburgh University student body through a Facebook post and uh, a blog that was dated just a few days ago. So when I sent it to you, I thought it was a very recent news. And then as I did further research in getting ready for our discussion today, I found out that this was something that actually happened several years ago, but there are a lot of more recent articles that reference it without giving the date of his letter, so it was a bit confusing trying to figure it all out. But apparently this has been going on at Edinburgh for uh, quite some time. In 2011, the student body voted to boycott Israel over alleged apartheid, something that Winky Madad brought up. Then in 2015, the Student Association scheduled a debate on boycott Israel the day before Passover, and this was a, a big issue because there were 50 Jewish students who belonged to that association who wouldn't have been able to participate in the debate because of going home to celebrate Passover with their families. And apparently there was another BDS debate and vote in 2016 by the student body, but this time it was overturned by the Board of Trustees. So this professor that uh, you mentioned wrote this, what I would call almost a scathing letter letter, a man named Dennis McCowan. Uh, he's not Jewish, but he is very much an expert in Mideast affairs. That's an interesting thought and a suggestion to those listening to the broadcast. They might want to get the, either that book or uh, read more about it on your website as well. By the way, if you missed the conversation I had with Winky Madad, you weren't able to hear it, you can go to our website, prophecytoday.com. Go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. We've archived all the conversations that we have this week with all of our broadcast partners, including Winky Madad. I also found it interesting, David, that this professor brought up some of the same things that Winky had to say as well as other myths and misconceptions about the situation in Israel that many in the United States and around the world, actually, seem to be accepting as facts. Uh, that's right. You know, this was such a well-written letter. I think it would be helpful for our listeners if I just read a few of the more important points he made. He writes, I'm an Edinburgh graduate, M.A., 1975, who studied Persian, Arabic, and Islamic history under two of Britain's great Middle East experts in their day. I later went on to do a Ph.D. at Cambridge and to teach Arabic and Islamic studies at Newcastle University. So I am well informed in Middle Eastern affairs, and I'm shocked and disheartened by the Student Association vote because there is not and never has been a system of apartheid in Israel. Then he went on to say this, I'm not talking about ordinary criticism of Israel. I'm speaking of a hatred that permits itself no boundaries in the lies and myths it pours out. Israel is repeatedly referred to as a Nazi state. In what sense is that true, even as a metaphor? Where are the Israeli concentration camps, the SS, the Nuremberg Laws, the Final Solution? None of these things, nor anything remotely resembling them, exists in Israel. And then he goes on to write, Arabs in Israel can go anywhere they want, 
They use public transport. They eat in restaurants. They go to swimming pools. They use libraries. They go to cinemas alongside Jews. Israeli hospitals not only treat Jews and Arabs, they also treat Palestinians from Gaza or the West Bank on the same wards in the same operating theaters. And then he says this, the university is supposed to be about learning to use your brain, to think rationally, to examine evidence, to reach conclusions based on solid evidence. If the best Edinburgh can produce are students who have no idea how to do any of these things, then the future is bleak. That is a very powerful letter, and it's much longer than what I actually read. Well, I love that letter, and it should be read on every college campus around the world, in particular right here in America. Man, that was amazing. David, you also sent me another article that serves to confirm that what happened in Edinburgh University is just one example of growing anti-Semitism throughout all of Europe, as the European Union is about ready to put what would be called warning labels on Jewish-made products. That's right. So again, in my research for today, I came across that article, Europe poised to put warning labels on Jewish-made products and had the tagline, legal decision reminiscent of Holocaust-era boycotts of Jews. And the opening paragraph of that article reads as follows. The European Union is poised to mandate that Israeli products made in contested territories carry consumer warning labels, a decision that could trigger American anti-boycott laws and open up what legal experts describe as a Pandora's box of litigation, according to multiple sources involved in the legal dispute who spoke to the Washington Free Beacon. Then the article goes on to say that the Advocate General of the European Court of Justice recently issued a non-binding opinion arguing that EU law requires Israeli-made products to be labeled as coming from settlements and Israeli colonies. Now, this is in contrast to goods produced by Muslims uh, in the region, which are to be labeled as from Palestine. Now, the EU Court's 15-judge panel is set to issue its own binding judgment in the case, so this actually could become law. Now, fortunately, the United States is lagging Europe in this anti- Semitic stance, at least at the highest levels of government, and as Winky Madad mentioned, the House of Representatives just voted down boycott measures against Israel by 398 to 17, with five members just voting present. But I would say this, with all the media attention that Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib are getting, things aren't looking good, especially if the Democrats win the presidency in 2020. Absolutely, I agree with that. Well, David, as we come to a conclusion in our discussion, and no matter what the world thinks, no matter the conventional wisdom, the fact is that the Jewish people have a right to the land that they're in. The Palestinians have no claim to that land, and God has clearly warned about the danger of standing against his chosen people. You're exactly right, Jimmy. In Genesis, we read that God made an eternal, unconditional covenant with Abraham, and he put that covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, into place in five stages in Genesis chapters 12, 13, 15, and 17. Then God confirmed that covenant with Isaac in chapter 26 of Genesis, and then with Jacob in chapter 28. And of course, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and he had 12 sons who became the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. And God promised Abraham that his descendants through Isaac and Jacob would inherit that piece of real estate from the Nile River to the Euphrates River, a huge area, much bigger than Israel today. And God promised 
descendants and blessing as well. And he confirmed the land aspect of that covenant with Moses at the end of Deuteronomy. He confirmed the descendant aspect with David in Second Samuel chapter 7, establishing David's throne. And then we find the confirmation of the blessing part in the new covenant in Jeremiah 31. So, And God also promised Abraham that those who bless him, meaning him and his descendants, God would bless, and those who curse him, he would curse, meaning that the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob still are recipients of that promise. And it's not going to end well for those who set themselves against Israel. By the way, that's Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. You know, uh, there was a great list of uh, passages of Scripture that you brought to our attention right there. Folks, if you missed that list, you may want to go back and re-listen to this interview with David. Slow it down so you can write down the references and then study those references. Go to my website, prophecytoday.com, to PTRN, where we've archived not only Winky Madad's interview, but the one, the conversation I've just had with David. Great research, David. Thank you for so much bringing this information to the table. We needed to hear this. Appreciate it. We'll have another conversation next week. Glad to do it, Jimmy. Thanks so much. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'll open the Bible. We'll take a look at the book and deal with all the issues we've discussed right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. On Prophecy Today weekend, This week, as usual, we had our broadcast partners with excellent reports. 
all the details behind the current events happening in our world and from the area of expertise that these partners would be originating their reports from. These men are so knowledgeable, it's key for us to hear what they have to say because that will help us then to realize where we are in God's time at the end-time scenario that is found in the Bible. We'll give you these reports in a moment, and we'll talk about what they had to say on the broadcast, but then we'll give you a prophetic perspective as well. By the way, I realize that some of you might have to miss some of the reports. That's why we archive these reports on our website, You can listen to them at your own convenience. Go to my website, prophecytoday.com. Then go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. There you can listen to these reports. And do me a very big favor, if you will. Contact some of those that you have access to through your Internet activities and let these friends of yours know about the reports. Maybe send them a link to the reports so they can understand where we are in this world as it relates to end-time prophecy. Well, let me rehearse what I talked with my broadcast partners today about and then give you a prophetic perspective on these reports. Ken Timmerman, he looks at geopolitical activities around the world. He was headquartered in Sweden today. He's doing a writing project, writing a book that will come out before the next election. But he has a great vantage point there in Europe for looking at all of the world and giving us geopolitical events that are key in an end-time scenario. For example, Ken talked about the Iranian-backed militia that is in Iraq today to fight against the Jewish state of Israel. You remember that there are two end-time players that are key as you study the prophetic word of God. Iran is going to be a major player. They will be a part of an alignment of nations that's found in Ezekiel chapter 38. Now, the book of Revelation chapter 18 talks about Iraq. That's biblical Babylon. There will be an alignment of the nations, that would be Russia and the Islamic nations aligning to destroy the Jewish state of Israel, and that will happen in the first six months of the tribulation period. And then at the end of the tribulation period, we're looking at chapter 18 of Revelation, when the literal city of Babylon, that's modern-day Iraq today, Babylon, the biblical part of modern-day Iraq, will be totally destroyed. It says in chapter 18 of the book of Revelation uh, that Babylon will be destroyed in one hour. That's verses 10, 17, and 19. And then in Revelation chapter 16, starting with verse 17, it tells us the greatest earthquake to ever hit the face of the earth will begin the destruction of Babylon, which will be concluded with pieces of hail coming out of heaven, weighing about 75 pounds apiece, and that will totally destroy Babylon. That's God's word, and it is absolute. David Dolan gave us a Middle East news update He talked about Mahmoud Abbas, who says that the Palestinian people actually go back 5,000 years ago to the times of the Canaanites. 
and he warned Israel that one day the Palestinians will put millions of Palestinian fighters and Islamic fighters up on the Temple Mount to wipe out the Jewish state. Let me tell you that the Palestinians do not date back to the Canaanites. They date back to Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, as talked about in Genesis chapter 25. Check out, if you will, Ezekiel chapter 35. It's talking about a people who lived in Mount Seir. That would be the descendants of Esau. They will return, they will kill the Jews, and steal their land. And then when you look at Malachi chapter 1, you realize that these people will return and rebuild, but the Lord says their borders will be the borders of wickedness. Obadiah says the people controlling the Temple Mount today will be a people that will be wiped out as if they have never been. Winky Madad explained to us the BDS operation that's happening. It's an attack against the Jewish state of Israel. The fact is, it is anti-Semitic, which of course will lead to the worst Holocaust ever to take place. Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 8, when two out of every three Jews will be killed on this earth during the tribulation period. Itamar Marcus talked about the fact that the LGBT community is under attack from the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian people and their leadership want nothing to do with the sodomites, the homosexuals. They will not allow any of their activities. They are arresting homosexuals today in the Palestinian area. They must remember, as Israel must remember, the issue is dealt with by God in Genesis 19, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about what will be happening and those people who God will turn his back against. John Rood gave us the information about the European Union, two major powers in the end times, the revived Roman Empire, the infrastructure being the European Union, and then the Russian-led Islamic alignment that will try to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, all of those events coming into play today. And David James told us as Christians how to respond to the BDS movement. Remember the book of Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, those that bless the Jews will be blessed, those that curse the Jews will be cursed. These reports from our broadcast partners are key that you understand what they're telling us about the different issues we are discussing with each and every one of them. And all the information is key to our understanding of the prophetic scenario that's laid out in God's Word. Remember, the Bible tells us what will happen, and the next event, according to God's Word, will be the rapture of the church. By the way, there's no prophecy, and none of the prophecies that we talked about today will happen before the rapture. They all happen after the rapture. So there's no prophecy that must be fulfilled before the rapture. The rapture, the next event, and it can happen at any moment. And having said that, there's actually nothing else that I could say except let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Thank you.